Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Hawks Insiders, your recap pod. It is a few hours after Hawthorne 14-9-93, lost to St Kilda 19-8-122 at Marvel Stadium, the dreaded Hawthorne home game at Marvel, which actually yielded wins a couple of times recently, did not today. The Hawks, uh, three goals to one up early, then I think they conceded, was it eight or nine straight goals to the Saints? Made a run, got to within two goals three-quarter time, then the Saints kicked away again and were the deserving winners. In the game where the Hawks showed really why they are 16th on the ladder. We will recap the next hour or so, all that went on today. Joining by my co-host, uh, Andrew Weiss. Hello. G'day, Ash. Uh, yeah, just another one of those games that is a little bit disappointing. We definitely could have done better when you look at the first and last quarters, but plenty to like. And for where we're at um Coming into the game, it was clearly one that we all thought we could win, but there was also the expectation that if we didn't, doesn't really matter. So uh, plenty, plenty enough to like out of it. It really is the sort of game that Hawthorne people should just wake up on Monday morning and think, okay, that's done. What's next? Because that's you know the sixteenth, and they're not going to move. And this is we go back to your words, Danny, at the start of the year. It's all about three words to or one word repeated over and over. Um, to repeat the line from the great Microsoft guy whose name escapes me at the moment. Development, development, development. Yeah, absolutely. And good to be here, gentlemen. I, I'm normally quite optimistic. I'm quite a positive person. Um, that was incredibly frustrating to sit through, though. Um, the, the Hawks g- genuinely have an issue around arresting the momentum of other teams when they get going, and they haven't worked out um, how to how to wrestle it back in game? They they need to wait until quarters, uh, quarter time breaks or half time breaks in order to be able to reset up. And I think that's something that Mitchell needs to look at going forward because when teams get a run on, they generally kick big, big, big amounts of goals in, uh, in quick succession. So um, from that perspective, I think if we had to stop that, um, the two times it happened, I'd say once in the sort of uh, you know, after the, we kicked the first three goals in the first quarter, and then, um, and then also late in, well, in the early in the fourth, I think, uh, without really copying those um, touch ups, uh, we we probably win this game. Now, you know, we're not looking to win the game, or we, we are, but it doesn't matter either way. But I think that's one thing that needs addressing for sure. Three sixty three disposal of the Hawks, three ninety four for the Saints. Um... Still have 170, 144 handballs. Inside 50s, Hawthorne had the edge. Sorry, Secure had the edge, 46, 57. Got to get reading this right. Forgetting Hawthorne was a home team at Marvel. It's quite jarring. Their stats come first. It's not Se- right. And that's not right. 77% disposal efficiency each of two. Uh, Hawthorne, 50% efficiency inside 50. 23 shots from 46 inside 50s. Free kicks, 15, 13 to St. Kilda. Hawthorne on the hitouts, 50 to 30. We'll talk about Lloyd Meek, who... Uh, I suspect played a pretty good game. Saints clearances, 36-29, particularly early they dominated. Centre clearances, St Kilda, 17-10. Stoppage clearances, 19. All contested possessions, Saints up by five, 128-123. Turnovers, 76 Hawthorne, 77 St Kilda. 
Um, marks inside 50. Hawthorne 17 to 11. Contested marks 14, 13 to St Kilda. Uh, time in front, 103 of minutes to St Kilda, who had the biggest lead at one stage early in the second quarter of 42 points. So I don't know if this is an honourable loss in the end, but uh, a few times the Hawks have shown some resilience when being down quite early. Let's get to the players. This is why we do this player by player, as I call up Hawthorne. We'll go in order of jump at number. So we start with number two, Mitch Lewis. And Mitch Lewis for the Hawks had eight disposals, six and two, four marks, zero tackles, two goals, two. He had three contested possessions. He had... um, Two goals, assist, seven score involvements. Two of his marks were contested. Eight pressure acts. Uh, we'll start with you, Weezy. Yeah, I don't think it was his best game at all. And he he butchered one set shot that should have been an absolute soda. Uh, absolutely no excuses for missing. Uh, but funnily enough, for him, the sodas are probably the one that he drilled when he took the contested mark uh, 50 out on the boundary, went back and slotted it beautifully. So um, it's disappointing that he missed the one that he should have kicked. I actually thought whilst a lot of his, um, a lot of the ball that he got was uncontested. Callum Wilkie um, absolutely lowered Mitch Lewis's colors. Uh, I feel like, there were maybe four or five marking contests where it was set and it, it might've been two or one against, but by the time a St Kilda player marked it, Lewis just totally misread it and wasn't even in the contest. So, I mean, he kicked his couple of goals, but I feel like we needed a hell of a lot more from him. So I've given him a five out of 10. John Newcomb, Danny, 20 disposals, seven, 13, two marks, five tackles, he had 13 contested possessions. He had uh, three turnovers, four intercept possessions, three score involvements, two marks, one contested. It was a beauty. He took a very good overhead mark at one stage, 239 metres gained. He had uh, three centre clearances, three stoppage clearances, three rebound 50s, 29 centre bounce attendances. How did you rate his game? So I think when we're rating Mitch Lewis's, uh, John Newcomb's game, we've got to rate it in two parts. We've got to rate it for his first half and then his third quarter. His first half was a non-event. He may as well have not been there. I think he had seven touches to halftime, which is very un-John Newcomb-like. And normally I've noticed it's him and James Warple that are down um, scrapping for... Seven to uh, halftime. Yeah, scrapping for contested possessions uh, in the middle when the opposition's getting on top. And you didn't even see him when the Saints were waltzing through there in the second half of the first quarter. So um, he was clearly very disappointed in his own performance uh, going into the main break. After halftime, he came out uh like a man on a mission. And he was one of the key drivers in getting the Hawks back into the game in the third quarter. And I thought his third quarter was phenomenal. I'm going to give him a five and a half out of 10. Um, and it's really on the back of that, that third quarter without that third quarter. That's a, that's a fail for Jai. Um, but that third quarter was fantastic. So five and a half out of 10 for him today. Next player is going to be interesting because he got a lot of the ball, but uh, I think there were fluctuating opinions as to how he played. Jarman Impey, 31 disposals, 19 and 12, 11 marks, two tackles, 
80% defensive half, 64% disposal efficiency, seven contested possessions, 10 turnovers. That might tell you a bit eight about what we're thinking. Eight intercept possessions. He had one goal assist, seven score involvements, 501 metres gained, four inside 50s, four rebound 50s. The numbers are good, Weezy, but uh, how, do you, how do you play? Well, I could very well get lambasted for this, but it's an opinions game, right? So that could opinions be... Opinions like, you know what, and everyone's got one. <laughs> Correct. That could be one of the worst 30-plus possession games I can remember for some time. And whilst a lot of the stats read really well, I think the critical one are those 10 turnovers because they weren't just turnovers like they were they were glaring ones oh they were absolute mares and i reckon at least half of them but he had maybe what six score involvements i assume they're six and kilda score involvements all as a result of turnovers like you know i don't want to be too harsh he's having a really good season um he's having a fairly flat patch in terms of the last month i think he's only had one really good game of the last four maybe but um yeah he ended up getting the ball a lot but those the, the mistakes were horrid um and could have made all the difference um i've given him a four out of ten another guy with 30 touches was james warple 30 disposals nine and 21 if you're breaking it down two marks four tackles 62 percent defensive half uh 19 contested possessions uh, four turnovers, six intercept possessions. He had eight score involvements. He had two. He took two marks. Three hundred meters gained. Uh, three send up, four stoppage clearances, four tackles, twenty five centre bounce attendances. Um, Danny. Yeah, twenty five centre bounce attendances says there was a lot of goals in the game. Um, I don't think I reckon many people would have 25 centre bounce attendances very often. Look, Warps was a hard one to get a gauge on, to be perfectly honest. He got his hands on it first a lot. But um, what what I noticed, and, and you know, jump in here, Weesey, if uh, you think differently, is when he got his hands on it, he was unable to generate space from the contest. But when his opponent got his hands on it, which was often Brad Crouch, uh, he went and had his way with whatever that passage of play was. Um, and I think that's the tale of the tape for James Warple today is um, he tried his he tried his guts out, but he was largely ineffective. Um, he, won, he won ball in tight and hard and he got smashed with plenty of tackles, but he could never really generate the space from his man or the, or the stoppage itself to be able to do anything, you know, positive with it. Um, and on the opposite end, he got, he got slaughtered defensively. Uh, Brad Crouch was, you know, they went head to head for long parts of the game from what I could see. And Brad Crouch uh, was one of the best on ground for the saints kicking three goals, three goals. And I'm sure Brad uh, Klebanski will have something to say about um, somebody like Brad Crouch having kicking three against the Hawks today. So, I should probably give a rating and not be Darren Levine. Um, Warple will get a five out of 10 and it's just a break even. James Sicily, 26 disposals, 16 kicks, 10 handballs, seven marks, one tackle, um, 81% disposal efficiency, six contested possessions, three turnovers, eight intercept possessions. He had three score involvements. He had uh, 
six contested, one uncontested marks, four to ten metres gained, six rebound fifties, two frees four, no free kicks against. Well done to you, sis. That is progress. Um, interesting game. Uh, we, we said we were going to talk a bit about selection uh, for this week and tactics. And I think this comes into play when we're talking about the captain of the Hawthorne Football Club, Weezy. Yeah, I'm not going to come off the long run just yet in terms of the selection, but you know how I feel, Ash, and the way we lined up and played in that first quarter, Sis was at a hiding to nothing because he was, uh, he was allocated a player that he had to man and be one-on-one with. And as soon as James Blank came back onto the ground, th- there was still quite a bit of one-on-one setup, but he warmed into the game a lot more. He dropped maybe three or four marks that he would normally have taken as well. And if he had, you know, he's sitting on his 10, 11, 12 marks for the game. So, uh, and that is after a first quarter that you could almost write off. I, I think he barely got anywhere near it in the first quarter. So that as well as, Ash, I think you messaged uh, early around uh, or, or might have tweeted, right, about after um, maybe one of the best defensive performances ever seen against the Saints last time at Marvel, they might have just put a little bit more work into him. Uh, so, yeah, I, I feel like he was at a hiding to nothing, especially through that first part of the game, warmed into it quite well um, and provided some good run and rebound I gave him a six, um, and that's probably based on the, his last three quarters. What I don't understand, and I love Sam Mitchell like a son, but what I don't understand with the, the, the t- way they set the team up was, as I said on Twitter, they were going to put work into Sicily to make sure he didn't destroy them again. But So I set the team up so that if they put the work in Sicily, someone else can play the Sicily role. And that this week would have been, I know he's got his limitations and clearly he's in the dog box of the coach, but this is the week you played Jack Scrimshaw. To yeah, fret uh, him up to play exactly the sort of role. And once Blank came on the ground, they were better. But do you know what? They... I think I think the addition to that, Ash, is, and we're obviously going to get onto Sam Frost next, but also if you know that Frost is going to be the relief ruckman for Meek, you've moved our only yeah. other defender that can take on a big guy up the ground. So Sis is back there. And you don't have Scrimshaw or Blank playing like, like they had a makeshift forward line. They had a makeshift forward line, St Kilda. And what Sam should have coached to take advantage, he should have had the optimal backline set up to take advantage of St Kilda having a really below strength forward line. And he didn't do that. He said, okay, well, they haven't got Max King, so we'll just, you know, we'll just, we, we'll go light in the backline. Well, he got it wrong. He should have actually had a really good defense, the, the A1 defensive setup, whether it was Blank playing the whole game or whether it was Scrimshaw coming in, knowing they put work in the Sicily. Really disappointed, you know, I think Sam Mitchell has been a wonderful coach for Hawthorne and will be a wonderful coach, but I think he let himself down. And a lot of us could see it when the team was picked, it was like, and Blank was the sub, like, what are they doing? And it turned out to be exactly the case of what the hell did they do? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, we talk about players learning lessons from games. Sam Mitchell learned a, a, a lot of lessons from the way that this, well, he should learn a lot of lessons from the way he set this team up. I think the other thing that's not spoken about is um, when you know somebody's going to put time or a team's going to put time into your leader, your captain, your linchpin in defense, 
wouldn't you put some time into having a, an, a plan B or an option to work Sicily free from that time? So Cooper Sharman sat on him for the first half and there was nobody that went to block for Sis to allow him to run and impact the contest. There was nobody that put work into Cooper Sharman to make his life a little bit uncomfortable. And I just don't understand if you know that this is coming and, it, and blind Freddie could see this one was coming that you don't have, you know, something, you know, a, a contingency plan to be able to deal with whatever happens from Ross Lyon. Uh, it, it's, it was actually baffling to me. Number eight for Hawthorne, Sam Frost, 12 disposals, six and six, five marks, four tackles, 77% defensive half, as we know, two contested possessions of his 12. Um, he had 11, uh, two turnovers, five intercept possessions, four score involvements. Um, he had 87 metres gained, a bit unfrosty-like in that respect. Um, and one boneheaded reversal. It was a bit soft, but shouldn't have put himself in that position in the first place. After Sicily had got the relieving mark at a critical stage, in the third quarter, um, Sicily, uh, Frost gave away a free kick. Um, Frost had three ruck contests for three hitouts as well. I should make that known. Um, We're really covering the important stats when it yeah. comes to Sam Frost tonight. Well, it's got, he was, as you've mentioned before, he was also the relief ruck and briefly. So Hawthorne had to, it was a game Hawthorne was playing catch up and they had to, and they did it well for a time, but Frost, they've just get they had all the momentum. And I wasn't at the game, but from my understanding, the crowd, not that it was a huge crowd, but the crowd was really getting into it as Hawthorne mounted the charge in the third quarter. And Frost with his reversal free kick, Sakilda got a goal, then got another quick one, sucked all the air out of the crowd. Hawthorne had to climb back a second time to within two goals, but I suspect by then had spent all their petrol tickets. That, yeah, I think that that's a really, really good point, Ash. And and infuriating is the word that comes to mind when thinking about that specific play by Frost. Um, I know that it blew up our WhatsApp chat and, um, and you know, uh, my fellow co-host and, and, and Rater was uh, in vehement defense of the act saying that there was not much in it, but my, my counter to that, and, and I can understand there wasn't much in what happened. It was, it was quite soft, but why take that risk is my biggest thing with Sam Frost. And I think you can ask that question when it comes to Sam Frost for just about everything that he does. Why take that risk pushing somebody over when we've taken a relieving mark? Why take that risk running without looking and having no understanding of your periphery in about 15 meters out from goal, getting tackled and um, getting dispossessed, copy, costing us another goal, you know, why take that risk and so on and so on and so forth. So um, I think, I think with Frost, we know that Sam Mitchell clearly loves him, um, but when you've got that player, that type of player as one of your key senior members of your back setup, you're always going to be in trouble because he gives away two to three of those goals every single week. And if they're in the at the wrong time, um, like this reversal of the free kick was, I honestly think that cost us the game. Um, and obviously I know we came within 12 points, but like you said, the tickets that it's spent in order to get the Hawks spent in order to get where they were at and they were on top and they were flying on the top of the ground for that to hit at the time that it did. They, like you said, when they, when the saints kicked the first couple of the last quarter, that was it. The, the, the Hawks were done. The queue was in the rack. Um, and yeah, it's just super, super disappointing. I, 
I did actually thought he was given a bath by um, the players that he was playing on as well. So from a side note, it's not like his his individual performance was um, was winning any awards either. And I'm giving him a three, three out of 10. And if I can, before we move on, I don't see the benefit in him playing in the team for the rest of the year. I just don't, um, you know, we don't know what we've got with Denver Granger Barras. Uh, I know he's currently playing forward. We don't know what we've got with Emerson Jecker. You may as well play these guys in the back half of the year before they are delisted anyway. Frost is going to be what Frost is going to be. So um, James Blank should be our starting key tall defender and then build around him. But it doesn't need to be Sam Frost, and I'm happy if it isn't. It'd be interesting to see. I, I think I don't want to talk about selection because I want to stick to what we're doing, but I, I think they set the team up. I think they just want to have a crack at Collingwood next week, the best team in the cop, see how we go, what have we learned, how much, how how far we got to go, and then there's three weeks of real experimentation. I think to close out the season. Connor Nash, twenty-two disposals, six and sixteen, um, two marks, and fifty-five uh, percent defensive half, sixty, so eighty-six percent disposal efficiency, eight contested possessions, four turnovers, two inset possessions, eight score involvements, hundred eighty-nine meters gained. Um, he had five clearances, one centre, four stoppage. 19 centre-bats at 10. He did spend a bit of time on the wing. There was a lot of complaining on social media that he was spending too much time on the wing. Um, was he? He did. And, I mean, I was totally fine with that because the rotation, I mean, it's one thing to say he, he should be in the guts the whole time, but the rotation then with Wops and Newcomb and, um, and Will Day, like someone's going to be missing from that unit and giving, you know, McKenzie a, a couple of runs through the guts. And well, I think that's, I don't have an issue with that at all. My issue, main issue from today is that he, he didn't register a tackle. So when he's having a 22 possession game instead of his 30 possession game, and he's less damaging by the amount of ball use he's getting, um, especially through that first quarter when we were getting smashed through the middle, we just needed a couple of monster tackles just to just to stop play, just to get a few ball ups after ball ups, as opposed to clearances. The tackling generally was poor today. It was. It was really poor. the The one flip side would be, um, he had that one ball that he got clear and hit Mitch Lewis lace out on the lead. Um, and it was just a moment of remembering how improved his kicking is. Um, but generally, Prinzi, I'm not sure. I think you've got something to add there on Nashi. I was just going to say, I think Nash is the one midfielder I'd want in the guts when the opposition is having a run on because he is the one guy that runs both ways really, really well. He works hard defensively off a stoppage and most of the other guys in that team, I think Newcomb works fairly hard defensively as well, but most of the other guys are see ball, get ball guys. And if they don't get it, they're often the ball, you know, they're chasing tail the other way. So, um, he would be the guy that I'm starting with in the middle when the saints are on a roll, I'd be saying, get Nash in there. And I wouldn't have done what Mitchell did was there was a time in late in the first quarter, I believe where Cam McKenzie was in the guts and we were being slaughtered in the guts and he was a non-event. And I just think, again, there's another, I don't know how that happens. I'm not obviously not privy to how, you know, the rotations through the middle actually occur, but it looked like that was out as well. And I, I actually do think Nash spent too much time on the wing. He had, um, I think he had eight 
uh, score involvements, which has him as him leading our mids for score involvement. So, um, yeah, just in terms of a rating, I gave him a five out of ten for today. Will Day, Mr. Fixit, as the coach called him post game, twenty two disposals, seventeen five, eleven marks, four tackles, two goals. He had ninety one percent disposal efficiency. He had um, five contested possessions, eight turnovers, four intercept possessions. Two goal assists, six score involvements. He had uh, 11 marks. One was contested. 704 metres gained. He had four tackles. He um, had five rebound 50s. He had 24 centre bounce attendances. Very busy day at the office, Danny, first of all day. He's a good player. He's a good player. <laughs> I know I know. I, uh, I copped some raised eyebrows on our Twitter spaces last uh, last week when I suggested he was going to be a better player than Noah Anderson, and I stick by that. Um, I, 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 the only criticism I have of Will Day's game today, and it's a very minor one, is I would have loved to have seen it be a 30-disposal two-goal game rather than a 22-disposal um, two-goal game. But I think his game was limited by the fact that he had to then go back and play as that loose third tall uh, and the saints sort of ran it around him a bit. So um, knowing how good he is, but whenever you, if you've got 22 touches, 11 marks, you've had 704 meters gain and kicked a couple and had a couple of goal assists. I mean, that's an, that's an eight and a half out of 10, at least from a ratings perspective. Where's he quickly? Uh, just one thing, obviously the goals are great, but one thing that I like, really like that he's added to the repertoire is the courage to go back into a contest and take a big mark, like 11 marks. They weren't, um, they weren't all chip over the top. He's marked uncontested and played on like they were big marks across half back, um, And and I think and also his ball use was much improved this week as well. I thought by foot, a um, couple of his kicks. I mean, one of his goal assists was to Mitch. No, it was to Luke Bruce, and it was over the top. Oh, maybe it was Mitch Lewis, and it was over the top of the St Kilda defender and and landed in his lap. And I think those are the sort of kicks you know he can pull off, and so you just you you love to see it. And eighty six percent, I think, disposal efficiency is where he should be at. That's unreal. Dylan Moore, 20 disposals, 9 and 11. Three marks, three tackles, a goal. He had 85% disposal efficiency, seven contested possessions, three turnovers, two intercept possessions. He had um, took three marks, two of them were contested, 310 metres gained, two clearances. He had uh, five inside 50s. He had three tackles. Um, Where is he? Yeah, I don't think uh, the nine score involvements is handy. Um, I, I don't think he had that much of an impact on the game. I, he kicked that goal early. That was the goal from the free kick he got early on, and um, wonderful little celebration as well. The classic, the classic Dylan Moore loves a goal celebration, uh, which was good to see. But outside of that, um, yeah, he's touched it another nineteen times, but. Hardly noticed him in terms of having a major impact. So that's another five for me. Blake Hardwick wears number 15 for Hawthorne. Danny, 19 disposals, 12 and seven, seven marks, two tackles, um, 90% disposal efficiency, two turnovers, six intercept possessions, five contested possessions, five score involvements. He had 195 metres gained. Um, four one percenters stands out, two tackles. Again, not at the game, so I didn't take copious notes and missed a little bit of it. Did you have an opponent? 
did any of our defenders have an opponent? Uh-huh. Um, well, well, I mean the same. I mean the Saints kicked nineteen goals, so um, none of our defenders. I will. I will go in and we'll talk about this later. But I actually thought James Blank changed the structure of, of our defense, and one on one was far and away our best defender on the day. Actually, won some one on one contests, which was helpful. Um, but I don't think we had many other winners at all in our back six, uh, and Blake Hardwick included. I'm going to give him a four and a half out of ten. Uh, I thought the 19 disposals. I was surprised when I saw that. A little bit like. Jarman Impey's 31. Um, and I didn't think he was that effective. Yeah, he uses the ball fairly well. He doesn't have the blatant turnovers that uh, say Sam Frost has, but um he was a bit he was a bit of a ghost, to be honest, when um when the ball was flying over his head. So uh yeah, four and a half out of ten for Blake. Lockie Bramble, 15 disposals, 10 and 5, one mark, one tackle. He had um 47% disposal efficiency, five contested possessions. He had one score involvement. He went at three, 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 five, six meters gained. Um, he had not a lot else to recommend him. Uh, Weezy. All right. Well, can I just start by just asking? I think Frost got less than MP, didn't he? What What did you give Frost? We gave Frost a three. Okay. So, I mean, Bramble. Oh, Again, we, we're going to go back to selection. We're going to talk about replacing Carl Amon, um, how he wasn't the one that was subbed off as opposed to Seamus. I know, Prinzi, that's a big bugbear of yours, but his halftime stats, Lockie Bramble, who, what did he finish with? 15, did you say, Ash? Yeah. So at halftime, he had 13 touches, eight turnovers, six clangers, and went at 38 disposal efficient 38% disposal efficiency. So I mean, obviously the two kicks he had in the second half were decent. <laughs> Found he basically tar- <laughs> subbed himself off at halftime. <laughs> Found a target, but he um was um yeah, deplorable. And then, you know, the decision for whatever reason in amongst all of that to give him a couple of or maybe one before they latched on kick in duty uh and then the ball just came straight back uh i don't know um yeah i let fly a little bit in our whatsapp group and he, he was the most frustrating of anyone and so if um if frost gets a three i'll give him a two lloyd meek 10 disposals two and eight one mark five tackles he had 40 percent disposal efficiency 10 contested possessions um, he had one goal assist, two score involvements. He took one mark, which is sort of standard for the Hawthorne Rucks these days, two clearances, five tackles. He had two rebound 50s. He had 35 centre bounces, 10 assists, 85 ruck contests. He had um, 46 hitouts. The TV commentators are talking him up that he actually played quite well. Um, he certainly, I thought, offered a bit more physicality than we've been getting from Big Noodle the last few weeks. He was given opportunity today. Did he grasp it, Danny? Well, firstly, I will say it's nice that uh, our number one ruck takes their allotted one mark they're allowed for the game. So kudos to him for that. Um, He was 
pantsed early by Rowan Marshall. Let's make no mistake about it. Marshall had a huge first quarter, um, but I thought he was the best ruck on the ground after quarter time. Um, I thought his ruck work was very good. Um, he contributed directly to a, um, a couple of goals in our run to get back into the game in that sec uh, in that third quarter, I think it was. Um, and yeah, I thought he had a real impact and a, and displayed a real presence around the contest. It didn't always work for him, um, but you can see the effort to try to win the ball when the ball hits the deck to try to um, impact the contest. Um, his maneuverability and his mobility around the ground is like far and away better than Ned Reeves. And um, although he only had it, 10 times, it felt like he was far more involved than what Reeves ever gets um, when the ball's around. So, you know, five tackles, I think um, that's, that's a very good stat for a Ruckman. They don't often have, you know, more than sort of three or four uh, and 46 hit outs is huge. I, I, I thought um, his hit outs to advantage were a lot better this week than previous weeks. Uh, and that is obviously Ned Reeves number one skill. So um, all in all, I thought that was really good. Um, promising performance by Meek and I'd like to see him committed to next week and I'd like to see Reeves at Box Hill um, and and Meek given the opportunity to be a number one ruck. He clearly thrives on it. He worked into the game really well and stopping and starting these guys by moving them forward and off the, off the ball on the ball doesn't help either of them. So I think we've just got to commit to one or the other each week and then, um, and then yeah, and play them that way. So I'll give him a seven out of 10. But Chad, we see 26 disposals, 12 and 14, seven marks, five tackles, a couple of beautiful tackles amongst them as well, two goals, um, 81% disposal efficiency, nine contested possessions, five turnovers, four intercept possessions. He had uh, one goal assist, 10 score involvements, uh, 237 metres gained. He had two clearances. He had five tackles, including two inside 50. He had two inside 50s, two one percenters. Um, I would now, he had that four week period at the end of 2021 when we all thought he is playing really well. And this is the Chad we got. It's a different Chad Wingard now, but he's probably put together his most consistent run of form for some time at the Hawks. And I've still not 100% convinced he'll be at the footy club next year. Give himself every shot, and uh, he was far from Hawthorne's worst today. Far from Hawthorne's worst, I, he's probably he's probably going to get my best player for for us. Maybe next he's probably to... he's probably second best hawk after Will Day. I would have thought. Yeah, maybe ne- I was about to say next to Just Will Day. Just trying to keep things um, on the down low, but that's well, what... well, yeah, so we're not allowed to be positive thing. about Wingard, are we? <laughs> so here's the thing. I mean, I've had a look at who my next four players to radar, and their votes are probably going to tally all, all together. Are going to tally Chad. So, um, no, no. Here's the thing. Hand up five, six weeks ago to say it's okay if we never actually see him play another game for us, um, have been very, very okay with that. And the the run of form, as you mentioned, Ash, has been magnificent. And his game today, individually as a game, I would actually say would be in the top handful of games he's actually played for us at, at our club. Like he was running and hunting and chasing and putting pressure on 
And there was one particular... And ran the game out beautifully. Beautifully. Uh, that there's one particular passage of play, uh, and I'm pretty sure, um, yeah, I've got Tyler Brockman in those next four players that I just talked about. There was one particular passage of play where um, Brocky just let the ball get waltzed out of forward 50. Like it was just one of the most disgraceful efforts you'd ever see. And the next chain of handballs coming out, Chad, huge rundown. Like he ran 20 meters to get there, make the tackle, and it was chalk and cheese. So um, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to say, sign him up now. Like, oh my God, we've got to sign him. But if the news came throughout the week that we've given him a one-year extension, I, I wouldn't necessarily have an issue with that. Um, I actually gave him a nine out of 10 for today. Oh, I thought he was, nine out of 10. I, I mean, what else could he individually have wow. done? I, I also would have given Will Day a nine out of 10, but actually oh, Chad Wingard, he got a nine out of 10. Now we'll see a nine coming. Actually, what else could Chad Wingard have done today? What, what else? He kicked his couple of goals. He had, what, 26 touches, seven marks, five tackles. You said 10 score involvements. His pressure was immense. We've been crying for someone that puts that pressure on in the forward line. Actually, what else could he have done? Maybe a couple more goals? Like, that. that's, yeah, there you go. Josh Ward, 15 disposals, 11, four, three marks, two tackles, uh, 73% 73% disposal efficiency, one contested possession, two turnovers. He had uh, four score involvements. He had uh, 101. So 265 metres gained. We may he have had... missed somebody. Pretty important, I would have thought. No, no, yeah, let's right. do that. And then we can come back oh, so yeah. that I can do Bruce the and you can do those <laughs> I've jumped ahead. Oh, let's finish Josh Ward quickly. I'm so excited about Bruce. Yes. Um <laughs> So this is the greatest ratings of my life. <laughs> Quickly on Josh Ward. Sorry, I did miss someone. I was so excited. That's okay. That's fine. Do you, uh, want, me to, do you want me to take a no, pinsy no, so let... that you can rightfully have Bruce the... Let, let's do that. All right, go. Let's go. do that. Um, uh, fairly, fairly nothing game. I mean, he was on the... Um, non-medallion wing side for most of it. And I think I've mentioned in previous pods, I, I don't, I don't mind the notion of letting him run up and down a wing and try and get some uncontested footy. Um, but yeah, the, the combination of um, the combination of Ward and McKenzie and um, Connor McDonald just were not present today. Um, and it was just nothing special at all. I gave him a four and a half out of 10, um, but adds to the experience. Luke Bruce, eight, eight disposals, six marks, one tackle, six goals. We'll leave that's it there. Fair, we'll leave it there. ratio. I think yeah. that's absolutely a summation of his game. Really, every else. time he touched it, he kicked him. Um, like, all right, Luke Bruce isn't going to kick six every week. I think that's his equal career high. Um, but he played exactly the role that we've wanted him to play this year. He just got great returns, great bang for his buck buck this uh, this weekend. And, um, you know, 
you can see that the Hawks, when they go forward, they clearly look for him or Mitch Lewis every time. And there's a reason. It's because they're very, generally very reliable um, in one-on-one contests and they know where the big sticks are. And, and look, Luke Bruce just showed that he does what he does and he does it incredibly well. Probably has no peer um, over the longevity of his career in terms of how well he does in those one-on-ones, uh, how slippery he is and how he just managed to skirt out the back of a, um, out the back of a contest and win, get that ball and uh, dribble it through. He's, he kicked goals in every which way. I think what we're starting to see with Bruce, I feeling we see, I might be wrong, but he did have one shot at goal that didn't make the distance. Is that, is yeah. that right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's he's, he's kicked the, uh, the six straight, but he had one that he kicked from about 45 that just yeah. faded across and, and didn't even make the distance. And I think that's indicative of where he's at at the moment. He wants to find it 30, 30 out and closer to goal because he's deadly. But I think that leg is starting to fail him from distance these days. It's it's not as reliable as, a, as it once was. But, I mean, any time as a small forward you have you kick six goals and basically have seven shots out of your eight touches, that's a phenomenal game. And I'll give him an eight out of ten. Um, in 80 minutes of game time, Young Camp McKenzie had just seven touches, four and three, two marks. Uh, he had 71% disposal efficiency, two contested possessions. He had uh, one goal assist, three score involvements. He had 62 meters gained. He had uh, seven center bounce attendances. Um, good form rewarded at VFL, reasonable form at VFL. I don't think he's been starring at Box Hill, but uh, reasonably well rewarded. Um, with selection, Danny. Yeah, he was rewarded with selection, um, but should probably spend the rest of the year at Box Hill, I think. Uh, and that's that's okay. Like, you know, he's he's a young bloke in his first season of AFL footy, but he looked miles, 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 miles off it today. Um, he didn't use it well, and he normally does. He barely touched it. Um, he ran around. He ran around. Um, wherever the ball wasn't, that's where he was, um, both offensively and defensively. Um, you couldn't give him more than a three out of 10 for his performance. Um, so he's going to cop the same as a Sam Frost from me. Um, I, I, obviously, I'm a big proponent of our young players. I'm a big fan of Cam McKenzie as a player. These are the sort of games that young blokes learn a lot from um, and hopefully – Cam learns a lot from that outing, but he was, it was like playing with one rotation less. Ron McDonald, uh, 18 disposals, 10 and eight, two marks, five tackles, did not score, 78% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions, five turnovers, two intercept possessions, five score involvements. He had 340 meters gained. He had one stoppage clearance. Um, he did not attend a center bounce. What is he? Yeah, that's unfortunate. I'm glad you read that out because he's possibly someone who could have, uh, we could have tried to get into the game by bringing him through the middle uh, a couple more times. But yeah, I mean, we're going through a fair run of players now who didn't have much to do at Marvel. Uh, I thought he got better as it went on. Uh, and we, you know, we've credited him with being one of our best Um third and fourth quarter players running games out, but he was nowhere in the first half. So 
um, going with the similar, going with the similar sort of numbers. Uh, I did get a bit more of it, so I might give him a four. Finn McGuinness, speaking of four, had four kicks of his 10 disposals, four marks, two tackles as well, 63% offensive half, 80% disposal efficiency, one contested possession, three turnovers to intercept possessions. He had five score involvements. He had uh, 122 metres gained and no clearances, four centre bounce attendances. Interesting for Finn. Um, he had the job, certainly started Jack Sinclair. I'm not sure, again, not being at the game, but to observe it all that closely, whether he spent the whole game on Sinclair, who ended up with 26 disposals. Um, Danny? I don't think he did after halftime. I think he was with Sinclair for the first half, and then after halftime, I don't. I think he was released. And look, I don't th- like Sinclair was good. He's Sinclair's a very good player. Um, I don't think he had a major impact on the game like some of his teammates did. Um, I think the way that Sinclair plays his game wasn't conducive for Finn to be the player to run with him a little bit. Sinclair likes a double back around the around the back of marking contests. When the Saints defenders win the mark, he gets the the one two and he's he's off and he's running. And Finn couldn't really go with him. So it was a little bit ineffective as a tag. And I think that brings us to the biggest issue. If the tag isn't working or there is no tag or they release Finn McGuinness from the tag, he proves time and time again that he just doesn't have the quickness of mind to actually be effective in a AFL environment. He he gets the ball. He actually gets it in good position sometimes. I'm, I think everybody knows the the um, example I'm thinking of. He got it on the edge of our forward 50. He took about three minutes and 46 seconds to get rid of it and was run down. And you just, my concern is if you haven't picked up the speed of the game by now in your mind, are you going to pick it up? Finn McGuinness. That's my biggest concern. I think there's a role for him on the list going forward. I wouldn't be cutting him. Um, but I think I think we should be looking at other players between now and the end of the year rather than just giving Finn McGuinness a tagging job. Um, I think you can put Connor Nash to go run with somebody if you need to. Um, but uh, I would like to see other players i.e. Ned Long, i.e. Cooper Stevens, i.e. you know, rattle them off as you go. Those guys deserve a crack before the season's out ahead of somebody like Finn. And I'm going to give Finn a four for his efforts today. Well, the question will be whether he tags Dacos next week and what they do. I say it again, I think they'll crack their best team in to try and beat Collingwood um, next week in front of a BMCG crowd and then three weeks off and they've got three weeks to have a look at Huss weight or well, he might struggle now because he'd be a bit injured. Um, mm. Bailey McDonald come in again. Cooper Stevens should get a run before the end of the season at the, at, uh, ahead of McGuinness. So I think the, with four games to go, it'd be fascinating to see what they do with him. Um, but I do think that's set him for uh, day cost for next week. Tyler Brockham 33 in the week in which Hawthorne have been linked with Liam Ryan and you work, try to work out how the deal gets done. Is that a straight swap? It. I think we saw Tyler it. Brockman did himself no favours today with a disappointing uh, performance at one stage. My family was uh, treated to a shriek from the TV of Chase Brockman when he uh, seemed to be ambling out of the back line. He had eight disposals, four and four, two marks, one tackle. 
62% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions, three turnovers, two intercept possessions, um, four score involvements, 107 metres gained. Not a lot else to report out of his game, Wiesi. No, very frustrating. Uh, let me just ask you guys quickly, like straight swap, Brockman for Ryan. Do, do you do it and does it get done? I would. I'm not sure West Coast would. I think, um, yeah, yeah. Brockman is younger and has he, untapped you're getting potential. Getting 27 versus 21 in terms of age, yeah. So. I was going to say yeah, he's younger and he has untapped potential, but I'm not sure his ceiling's ever as high as Liam Ryan's is. And Liam Ryan's still not in his prime. Liam Ryan's ceiling's the top of the Great Southern Stand. He's <laughs> well, Liam Ryan before. would yeah, he'd jump right up there. But um, but the but, yeah, argument, not... the argument to them is where they are at with their their list, which is still two years behind, three years behind where our list's at the fact that he's 21, but yeah, in terms of the game, um, it was a really, really poor showing. I think did he, he had that, the one mark and set shot at goal uh, that he sprayed um, and given ranking rating parity, I guess if, uh, if Bramble gets a two and Frost gets a three and and some of our others have been getting fours, we'll slot him right in at a three and a half. Just uh, an absolute nothing game. He was a tra- he was a traffic cone on defense. He was atrocious. A, a, a liability. I messaged in our WhatsApp group. It was like he was already in Perth preparing for next year. Like that was so disappointing because I feel like his defensive work in games earlier in this season has been pretty good. And he's kind of led the way comparatively to Chad Wingard. Um, it was like they swapped bodies uh, uh, before the game. That was the sliding doors, wasn't it? Like he's a, he's someone on their last few chances to, to that their careers on absolute life support. And there is not much more he could have done and chased like his life depended on it versus, you know, someone who's still got to prove themselves as a footballer. Uh, and yeah, I wonder, Prinzi, as you said, if it's a case of the mind's already thinking about, you know, what's going to happen over the next few months. That's what it looks like to me. James Blank had six disposals, um, coming on as a sub in the second quarter. It's the tactical sub, 100%, 100% disposal efficiency. He had three contested possessions. Four intercept possessions, did not turn the ball over. He had one score involvement. Um, he had uh, three pressure acts. Um, he had one tackle. He had one inside 51, rebound 50. Um, we sort of talked about this already, but the team looked better defensively with him there. And it didn't co- And again, Hawthorne's couple of charges back into the game seemed to coincide with blank and some fine defensive efforts to uh, to prevent the Saints from scoring and, and, and get something going. So uh, the, 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 it asked, poses more, his performance today poses more questions than than anything else. But it, I thought it was an encouraging display for him when he came on. And, you know, I think we're all experts in hindsight, but he should have been there from the start of the game. Yeah, well, I mean, it, the first thing is an incredibly curious decision to make a fullback who has one trick and one trick only as your sub. Um, you're effectively saying our team selection is wrong and we're going to need to change it at some point. 
That's that's what that's saying, right? Because if you've got a midfielder or a utility, somebody you want to um, impact the game in a, in an offensive way, that's why you you put them as a sub because if the game needs changing in a, in a in a positive, impactful way, you can bring them on and they can do that. If you're putting on a, a negating full back as your sub, you're basically saying our structure's not right and we're going to need to change this at some point. So I found it incredibly frustrating that he was our sub and he it was it was proven that we did need him to play because he was the only defender that looked like winning a one-on-one contest throughout the game and he did he I mean he he wasn't up against much he was playing on Hamanidi or Cooper Sharman at times late in the game and you know he beat them one-on-one because that's what he does and he does well um he didn't turn the ball over which is a nice uh, departure from our other key defender um, but yeah, he, he made our defensive structure look better, but like, I mean, no shit, Sherlock, like that's what fullbacks do, um, play a fullback if you've got one. So, um, yeah, I, I it, I'm just really confused. I, I think I'm really confused with the back half of this year at the selection table, um, as we've been selecting subs, um, not a lot of it makes sense to me. And look, I'm not, I'm not the football mind that Sam Mitchell is. I don't proclaim to be. But um, but like a there's a there's a lot of questions, and I think Blank showed that um, you know, he deserves to be in this team, and he should be in this team, and he should be our number one key defender. So, uh, yeah, I give him a, a five out of ten, um, only because you know we still had nineteen goals kicked on us, but I thought he was probably pound for pound our best defender in the defensive sense. Josh Weddle, seventeen disposals, six and eleven, six marks, one tackle. 82% defensive half, 88% disposal efficiency, three contested possessions, two turnovers, six intercept possessions, four score involvements, 78 metres gained, all his marks, all six marks uncontested. Uh, we see he's probably stunned hit the wall a little bit. It's been a fine debut season, but I thought he played better than he did last week. Yeah. I'm not going to use the word annoying because I think it's really hard to do for a 19-year-old kid who's having an absolute breakout and and we're all over the moon about. But I think that the one thing that's creeping in that is annoying me a little bit, I think I'm I think I might have mentioned it, if not last week, the week before, is that decision making around when to bounce. I love that his natural instinct is to take a bounce and run. But when he looks up and thinks about doing that and there are guys there in his way, like it's like he goes to water and thinks, okay, now I've got to run sideways to try and bounce it and get some run and carry as opposed to actually look around you and dish it off, like give it off and let someone else who's in a better position decide what to do with it or just retain the footy instead of, then crap yourself. Uh, oh, you're on. There's a touch of the Benny Hill about him. A, a little bit. And and that's okay because the instinct is there, which is great. When it comes off, it's great. He's 19 years old. He's still learning. He's played what a dozen. Uh, I don't even know how many games has he played. A uh, dozen games. 15, maybe. 15 games. Like great. It's all part of the experience, but I, I just feel that's something if they keep looking back at, it'll start sort of getting through to actually 
not quite to the levels of frost, which is there are people around you in good positions, but, you know, have to actually start thinking about multiple options. Um, I, I thought he was good enough without being huge. And as you said, better than last week. So I gave him a five. James Mitchell was on for about 40 minutes. He had five disposals, three and two. Um, and then he was at two contested possessions. He was in the sacrificial tactical sub as they decided they needed to actually shore up the key. They did, as Mitchell said, we needed uh, we were short a tall defender. So Shane, Shane Mitchell made way. You could argue it should have been Bramble. A lot of people will. Have, I will. Yeah, you have and others have and will over the course of the uh, next few days while we dissect, dissect the game. Um, anyone want to give him a quick ranking before we move on to uh, one of the talking points out of the game? Yeah, I'll say, look, and I mean, put my biases on the table. I think everybody knows how I feel about Seamus Mitchell as a player, but he was far from our worst. And I could have picked four or five players that would have been better to sub over that period of time, especially if, yeah, I understand the need for a key defender. I mean, I said that in my rating of James Blank, but the run and carry and good ball use that Seamus Mitchell gives you was something that we could have used in the second half of that that game. So it was another really baffling decision um, from the coaching staff, as far as I was concerned, um, you know, like Weesey said at halftime, um, Lockie Bramble basically was in the negative of, uh, of, of your fantasy rankings and your, um, you know, that sort of thing because of how poor he was by foot. Um, Seamus Mitchell played like, yeah, 40 minutes and had about the same amount of touches as, as, uh, as our mate Cam McKenzie did running around for 80% of the game time. So um, yeah, it was just a strange run. I mean, I thought for, for for where he was and what he did, he, he was tracking for about a five, but with, you know, the momentum of the game shifting towards the Hawks, I would have seen him as a positive impact player in the second half and we'll never know. So five out of 10 for me. Okay. Finally for the Hawks, um, Brandon Ryan, eight disposals, uh, all kicks. So you have to have a handball for Hawthorne. Five marks, two tackles, one goal, one mainly offensive half, 38% disposal efficiency. Um, he had three turnovers, one intercept possession. Um, he had four score involvements. He had 159 metres gained. He had uh, no set of bounce attendances for a big fella. But he was raw. He was lanky. But he gave a little, little bit of excitement. He took a very uh, fine mark early. Uh, we see you get to talk about the best number 46 for Hawthorne since Chris Mew. Yeah. Uh, what numbers available for him to push up push up into jumpers next year? Probably 23, I'd say. <laughs> or 24. Um, look, I think if he's that... Hawthorne, he might get to your contract from someone else. True. Uh, North look, might get him back. I think that uh, there's there's probably elements that over the next few weeks we'll get into. He doesn't. He's got a bit of the Kepler Bradleys. Kepler Bradleys about him, doesn't he? Like he's that tall, thin, lanky. Obviously, he's mature age, so he's not going to be turning into another Mitch Lewis anytime soon. What he did do was contest well, and even when he was out of a contest that he couldn't mark. He actually put a bit of effort in to back in and put a palm in or put a hand in um, and make a couple of spoils, Prinzi. 
uh, looked like you were getting ready to mosey in on no, that. I was just, no, I was going to say, um, sorry, you broke up a little bit there, but I was going to say he, he did get involved in, in, in breaking up plays just as the saints were about to break up, which uh, led to Chad Wingard's beautiful snap goal, which, um, you know, was, was just, you know, groundwork that worked out really well. He also, I don't think um, his teammates knew how, where he could kick the ball half the time. No. And, and even you weren't sure when he was lining up uh, how he was going to go. But uh, let's not forget he took his opportunity and kicked that goal to break. I think that was the goal that um, in the, the second nine. quarter broke yeah. the nine. So put his hand up and took that responsibility. He took five marks, which is more than Cozzy's had for the whole season. Who contested? Uh, <laughs> uh, just kidding. A bit of a uh, low blow there. Um, no, look. There was enough to say, well, let's see what he's got for the rest of the year. Uh, maybe not enough to be convinced that uh, he's the second coming and he's going to be the missing piece of the puzzle there. But um, Robbed a second goal too, by the way. The score review system absolutely stitched him up for that second goal. Hey, that was a goal. That was clearly, absolutely a goal. Clearly a goal. Clearly. Brushed the bottom of his foot. Uh, ranking? Uh, I've given him a six and a half. I think think he tried really hard and presented uh, and and took, as Prinzi said, those couple of contested marks. So, uh, yep, decent and, enough debut. As you pointed out, Prinzi, before the game, um, presented with his jumper by Mark Willow Williams and another shrewd piece of work by Sam. It might have been his best piece of work for the day because why? Oh yeah, I think I think this smartness of bringing these players, these past players back in when their sons are coming up and eligible for father son <laughs> is very very clever. And uh, and Mark uh, Willow um, has a young boy, Kobe, I believe his name is, who I think he's fifteen, but has made the under sixteens Vic Metro squad. So a name to keep an eye out for in the next few years um supposed to be quite talented so very clever the hawks have brought on um luke mccabe as uh on the board when will mccabe can become goal kicking coach yeah that's right actually i mean there's not many more people that have a pure technique at kicking for goal than mark williams did to be fair so it's not it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the worst idea he looked in good shape too just by the way uh willow i don't know if anybody saw the social media clips but um yeah he looked better in better shape now than he did when he was at Essendon for that one year. I still feel like we need to find a director of whatever the hell you want to be role for Luke Hodge. Uh, like we can talk about McCabe, we can talk about Willow, we can talk about, you know, Lewis doing more stuff at the club and all of the Bring Buddy back, back while we're front. at it, I reckon. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know. Ash, it's, it's been getting you down for some time too, hasn't it? I'm, I'm very, very concerned. Hodge did this stupid photo the other day. Where he's he's bought into you know, this Rebel Cricket League they're starting in Queensland with Ian Healy, and he's the franchise owner for Brisbane. So for the publicity shot, Hodge wears a Lions polo shirt. I mean, God help us. What is he doing? It's just it's just a lost cause. It's so depressing. Oh, Hodge was running around their childhood dreams of playing for playing at the Gabba. It's just a nightmare. Anyway, we'll uh, it makes you feel a little bit ill. We've got a whole off season to talk about that. So uh, a whole lot of spaces in the off season to be depressed over. The Hodge children will save it for that. We've sort of talked about the coach. We'll th- we'll finish up, but uh, probably not his best at the office. 
maybe the glass half full approach for the coach today was, well, we're going to finish 16th irrespective of uh, what happens today. And I've got license to try some things and he tried some things. Not a lot of them uh, work today. Well, maybe given the benefit of the doubt, I think there's a belief on the socials and I've said this a couple of times already. He's setting the team up for next week. He just wants to have a big crack at Collingwood. Not perhaps expecting to win, but just to see, okay, we're going to play our best team, our best on the MCG. Let's see how far off we are from Collingwood. We've tried a few things. We're going to bring them together against the Pies and then the last three weeks, all bets are off. That's my belief. And we'll probably talk about it more during the week, but not one of his greatest days in the office, but better for the doubt, Princey, uh, is that maybe he's playing the long game. Yeah, and I think, look... Well, he actually is playing the long game, that we know. He absolutely is playing the long game. And and I think if I'm consistent with my messaging, as I have been, I think, throughout this year, this year doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. So if ever you're going to try some wildly crazy things that aren't going to work, now's your time. It's all a free hit. I think the frustrating thing from my perspective and um, probably a lot of fans' perspective was we felt like we could win this game and it probably doesn't matter that we didn't, but when you feel like you're in it, you know, you don't want to set yourself up to not win. And I felt like that's kind of what a lot of the decisions, they were counterintuitive decisions. But like I said, Mitchell has an incredible, everybody you speak to says that Sam Mitchell has an incredible football mind and he's a phenomenal coach. And I absolutely subscribe to that. So um, yeah, whatever. Let's move on to the next one. Have a crack at the pies. I think as well, and I absolutely long-term thinking, it, it really doesn't worry me. It was disappointing because I think we could have, it was a very winnable game. And in the scheme of the season, winning a couple more matches does not make a difference to where we finish. So we can still tinker, he can still play around, but there are games of footy we can still win. Having said that, I mean, all you needed to do was see him at quarter time, right? Like he expected, regardless of what he had done to the team, to be winning this game of footy. And was that an almighty spray? Like he let everyone know about it. So at, at least he backed up the notion of, well, don't, don't get me wrong, we might have tried a few things, but we're still actually going out there to win the game of footy. Like it still meant enough that he gave them an almighty uh, lambasting at quarter time. So I actually liked that. I didn't see that. I only need to go back on the social, on, on back on the uh, somewhere on KO or something, have a look at that. All right. So, yeah, that wraps up this game. A disappointing day for the Hawks, but uh, perspective is always needed in this season that pretty much all years being played with an asterisk. Um just uh, Box Hill, uh, before we go, had a uh, a good win. And the two best players of Box Hill were, to illustrate some points, maybe with Den- Denver Granger Brass with five goals and Jack Scrimshaw with about 30 touches. So there you go. Both responded very well to being dropped. Uh, ticket blaster before we go, Weezy. Yeah, just a huge shout out to our friends at Ticket Bluster, who, um, as they have been doing for home games throughout the season, we've been running a couple of different um, subscription promos and they um, provided a couple of lucky fans. Uh, We had Josh and Daniel, who each scored themselves a couple of tickets to sit in the Medallion Club. So... Uh, the photos have been sent through to me. I think we'll get them up on socials throughout the week. Um, but again, 
huge shout out anyone who needs any tickets for any events whether that's footy um grand prix uh world cup whatever it is check out ticket blasters website and they will be able to hook you up thanks as always to our friend ticket blaster thanks to everyone for the support of forks insiders five bucks a month 50 bucks a year for great hawthorne content um our recap article will be up sometime in the next 24 hours after 12 to 24 hours after this podcast drops um, spaces. Stay by for social media. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know very shortly whether we're sticking with Wednesdays or we're going to Thursdays for the rest of the year. We've been bugging, bugging around for this and uh, we we'll apologise, but we'll have a decision. I think we'll stick, whatever we decide this week, we'll stick with for the rest of the season. So we don't talk about it every week, uh, but we'll just have a quick chat amongst ourselves and advise accordingly. Um, otherwise, it's a big week. Collingwood week coming up. They're always good games. Hawthorne usually wins against Collingwood. Might not this week, but I've just got a feeling this will be a big game, a big crowd. Might be Hawthorne's grand final, I think, for the, the last big game Hawthorne plays for the year. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure you are too. We will discuss it heavily over the course of the week. Um, so thank you, Danny. No, thank you, Ash. If I could find the unmute button there uh, right at the end of the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me on. It was great. And thank you, Weesey. Thanks, you, as always. Thanks, Ash. We'll have to uh, dock Prinzi half a point off his rating. Uh, that <laughs> just down, just down to a nine like the Chad then. That's fine. <laughs> I can handle that. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you again during the week. Enjoy, uh, enjoy your week. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.